Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This is Juliana McIntosh. And I'm Brad Sutton. And, and this, this is, is The Art of, of Drinking. Drinking. With Join Jules. And your favorite uncle. This is the best home bartending podcast. Where you learn how to make two drinks. A classic. And a twist. Plus a little backstory on the cocktail. So you have an interesting story to tell when you serve your guests. Your home crafted masterpiece. All right, Uncle Brad, we are starting things off very strong this season four. I'm so excited because we're not only covering an extremely popular cocktail today, we have a very special guest on that has so many stories, but has a very important story to tell. And Brad, this is your guest. You found him. So I'm going to let you take this off. Yeah, let me give you the backstory on how I got here. So the Cosmopolitan was in our list of drinks that we're going to make this season. And Mm -hmm. I started researching, as I always do. Interestingly enough, I saw this commercial with Aubrey Plaza and uh, Toby Chichenny. And she's talking about, you know, oh, Toby, what do you know? It's not like you invented the Cosmopolitan. And he's like, well, actually, I did. And I was like, oh, so I reached out to Toby Chichenny, tried to get a hold of him on Instagram, didn't hear back. So I'm like, okay, I'll just do my own research here. I'll be able to tell the story. And then I came across some other names. But then what really got my attention was Neil Murray was a name that popped up from Golden Valley, Minnesota, or at least that's where the cocktail was invented. And that's just down the street for me. Things are happening over there in Minnesota. I'm telling you. I know. So I'm like, oh my God. And so I looked him up on Facebook and I'm like, okay, we don't know anybody in common. And then I saw he's got family members. I'm like, okay, well, his niece might know somebody. And she was connected to my my son's second grade teacher, who we still know and talk to. So I reached out to her, said, hey, I'm trying to get a hold of your friend. How do you know her? She's like, oh, I went to school together. I'm like, I'm trying to get a hold of her uncle because he apparently was the inventor of the Cosmopolitan Martini. Could you tell her I'm trying to reach her and have her forward my information? Which she did. And then... Jeez, you're like a cocktail reporter over here doing your research. Yeah. And so 10 a.m. Monday morning, I get a phone call and Neil's like, hey, I understand you're trying to reach me. (laughs) And here we are, Neil Murray, the actual, real, true inventor of the Cosmopolitan Martini. Neil, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. It's great to be here today. Yeah, we are so excited to have you. So many questions. Obviously, we're going to get into how you invented this cocktail, but we're going to talk about your version of the cocktail, and then we're going to have you give us a couple of tips for the home bartender. So for those of you who are listening today, man, 
We're starting the season off strong. <laughs> so strong. I think it's very interesting because Brad, you and I actually, with many cocktails, we go into, well, there are three or four different people that are credited to inventing a cocktail. And this is the first time we've ever actually had someone who is the first on our list of people to have for the Cosmo. I mean, this is such a cool episode. And I'm so excited, Neil, to hear your story of how you were the first one and what made you the first one and the year that it happened, because a lot of people think it happened in the 80s. But if my research is correct, it was it 1975? That's right, 75. My first bartending job. So I'm very excited to really get down to the history of it and why it even came to be. Because let me tell you, I have made so many myself. I have riffed on this cocktail and it is a fantastic cocktail that I think everybody should have and know how to make at their home bar. Yes, I think they should. It's a simple drink. Yeah. Well, Neil, I'd like to hear how you got started and how this all came about. <laughs> well, it was, it was 1975. I was a student at the University of Minnesota. And I believe at the time I was driving a school bus to make money while I was going to school. But an old college friend, an old college roommate, said to me that he wanted to give me his job tending bar at the Cork and Cleaver in Golden Valley, Minnesota. I thought that was a great idea. I'd never been a bartender before, but you know, I catch on pretty quickly. <laughs> so I went out to have an interview with the managers there, and I thought I did a great job of presenting myself. I mean, after all, in high school, I had sat down with 13 principals at one time, and most 16-year-olds would not want to take on that task. So I thought, well, this is a breeze. But a couple of days later, my ex-roommate called me back and said, well, geez, Neil, they're not going to hire you. And I'm like, oh, really? Why? And he says, well, and he paused. And then he said, it's because you're black. And then, frankly, we both laughed because I grew up in uh, Roseville, Minnesota. I went to a high school with 1,500 kids, and I was the only black kid in the school. I had been a student leader. And actually, the reason I sat down with those 13 principals was to create the Suburban Conference Student Council from Anoka all the way out to Stillwater. So I was very good with people, I would say. And I was so disappointed that they, they thought that, you know, I was not the person they wanted. But a couple of days, uh, maybe a week later, the bookkeeper calls me and says, you know, I'm so upset and embarrassed and ashamed of what they said and did that they're going away to Fargo for a wedding for four days, and I'm going to be in charge, and I want to hire you, and I want to know if you want the job. Well, I still wanted the job. At that point, I, I, the people are listening. Would you take a job knowing that the managers are going to come back and want to fire you? Well, I guess I'm a little, <laughs> I guess I have a kind of personality I can handle the heat. So I studied the Boston Book of Drinks for three days. I had three days behind the bar. The, the thing that was most difficult for me was uh, learning how to do the cash register because it was an old-timey cash register. But that I, I, I got used to. And on the fifth day, the manager came back, and I was working the lunch shift. He uh, walked up to the bar to see who his new bartender was. He was very excited to see. You could tell he was excited. And then he sees me, and he spun around on his heel, and went back to his office, and I never saw him the rest of the day. That was the beginning of my introduction to being a bartender at this restaurant. But as it turns out, the staff really liked me, and so did the clientele. I can remember once when Fran Tarkenton came into the bar. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> he was a, a Minnesota Viking quarterback, for those who don't know who he was. And uh, 
everybody had a great time. So back then, uh, the vodka gimlet was a popular drink. That was just vodka and roses, lime juice on the rocks with a squeeze of lime and maybe a lime on the rim. In Minnesota, they added filberts to that drink, which I thought was curious. No, they don't do that <laughs> elsewhere, but Minnesota they did. And then someone came along and put triple sec into the drink and shook it and served it as a shooter. And so the kamikaze was uh, popular with the younger set that came into the bar, and the vodka gimlet was popular with the older set. Well, one day I'm looking at the Cape Cod and I'm thinking, geez, that's vodka cranberry with a squeeze of lime. Well, instead of putting the lime in the cranberry, why don't I put the cranberry in the lime, I thought. So I decided to put a splash of cranberry into the kamikaze, and I put this pink-looking martini up on the bar. And the regular customer, who was right there by the well, says to me, geez, Neil, what's that? Now, this customer knew the story. He was, he was a regular, so he knew the story about how I got hired, because a few regulars knew that story. And I said to him, I don't know. It's a kamikaze with a splash of cranberry. You know, uh, I thought it needed a little bit of color. Frankly, making a joke about me being the little bit of color at the Gordon Cleaver. And apparently this customer caught on to that. And he said, oh, how cosmopolitan. I'm like, okay, that's what we'll call it then. And that's how the drink got its name. Now, people are wondering, well, how did the drink become popular across the nation? Well, that was in 1975. In 1977, I was a congressional intern. I went out to Washington, D.C. I worked for Congressman Donald Frazier from the 5th District, Minneapolis. And uh, I had friends in Boston, New Haven, Manhattan, and Atlanta. And wherever I would go, I would order a Cosmopolitan. And the bartender would say, geez, what's that? I'm like, ah, oh, you know, it's a, it's a kamikaze with a splash of cranberry served up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They'd pretend like they knew what it was and would go off and make the drink. As you should, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember now. <laughs> so they'd go off and frankly, I would just laugh under my breath because I knew they'd never heard it before. But I also had the feeling that once they saw and tasted the drink, they would make that drink again. And so from Boston to New Haven to Manhattan to Atlanta, I just went around ordering the drink. So the drink was actually served in New York in 77 for the first time. I came back to New York in 1986. And at that point, I was working in San Francisco at a restaurant called the Bog City Diner. And one of the customers gave me his VIP pass to go to the Limelight. Well, the Limelight was a big deal back then because it was an old church that they had made into a nightclub. Macaulay Culkin did a, a scene and a film in, in this place. So this is back in New York? This is new, in New York in 86. Okay, and my, my friend and I, she and I uh, walked up to the, the, the rope where there's a long line of people in line, and we showed him the VIP card, and he pulls back the rope, and we walk right in. So that was kind of fun. And then after we went up to the bar and, and ordered a drink, we found out that there was a VIP room upstairs. And so we went up there, and I ordered another Cosmo up there. So I know that two of the bartenders there at the Limelight were familiar with the drink that, that day. But uh, as we're sitting in the VIP room, I, I, my friend Dana says to me, uh, who do you think these people are? And I said back to her, well, who do they think we are? <laughs> it's kind of funny. Uh, so, yeah, I traveled around the country. I had friends in Denver and in Dallas and in L.A. And everywhere I would go, I would order a Cosmopolitan. I, I remember doing it in Hawaii, in Miami, uh, in Barbados, as a matter of fact. The second version of the drink became the Barbados Cosmopolitan, which was made with Mount Gay Gold Eclipse rum. And if you use the same recipe and use that gold rum, it's, it's even better than the vodka version. Really? That came about because at the Fog City Diner, at midnight on Friday and Saturday nights, the manager would ring a hotel bell, and that ding would send everybody to the end of the bar, and we would have a shot. One time, I had made the Cosmo with Barbados rum. 
And Doug, the manager, says to me, this is the best shot you've made so far because <laughs> we always come up with stuff. And that's what I sort of got in, in, into. I was calling them designer cocktails back then. I opened different restaurants, and I came up with different drinks for the restaurant. And some of them were very simple. What was your favorite? My favorite drink that I came up with? Oh, the Barbados Cosmopolitan. Yeah. Was one of my yeah. the Barbados. Mm-hmm. Yes. But, you know, and that was in 87 that I came up with that. And then Doug, the manager, opened his restaurant called Bix, and he put Neil's Barbados Cosmopolitan on the bar card in 88. In 89, I left the Fog City Diner to open a place called Miss Pearl's Jam House. And I decided to do another version of the Cosmo, and I called it the Cactus Cosmo. It was made with reposado and aloe vera juice. So you could only get it at that bar because no bar has aloe vera juice. Wow. And the fun part about that drink was that the aloe vera juice has a bite to it and tequila has a bite to it. But when you put the two together, the bite disappears and it becomes a very smooth drink. So once again with the lime, there's a triple sec and the cranberry. We made a new drink again. Oh my God, I cannot wait to try that one. That has my name all over it. <laughs> the Cactus Cosmo. That's funny because at Miss Pearl's Jam House, I introduced Jello shots to San Francisco. Come on, really? Yeah, I, I think that's kind of funny because the, one of the owners says to me, you know, I was in New York and they're doing Jello shots. Can you do Jello shots? I'm like, sure, I can do Jello shots. <laughs> and of course, we start out with cherry Jello. But the big jar of cherries you get, I poured some of that cherry juice in it to give it extra, mm, <laughs> extra course, flavor. Yeah. And boy, they just love jello shots. And of course, <sighs> thereafter, West Coast just blew up with jello shots. When, that was 1989. Wow. You know, I made a Paloma jello shot in a half of a grapefruit. Yes, you did. And that's my big claim to fame around this. this You're never too old for a jello shot. <laughs> you really aren't. Yeah. So, yeah, I was kind of known around San Francisco as the Cosmo guy. And, of course, on the East Coast, the New York Times refuses to print the true story about the drink. And I I find that rather disappointing. There are some people who I am going to write that say, please tell the true story. And the funny thing about this is, is that only one person has done the full research to find out who actually came up with the drink. Her name is Cheryl Charming. And the book she published was called The Cocktail Companion. Cheryl Charming, in her 16th book on cocktails, uh, Mm -hmm. looked up waiters, bartenders, restaurateurs, customers uh, in Minneapolis, in San Francisco, in Newark, and found out that, you know, the Cosmopolitan was popular in Minneapolis in the late 70s. I'll never forget. One of the favorite places I would go was the Butler Square Saloon. I'm sure it's not there anymore. But I came in there and ordered the Cosmo a couple of times. And like the third or fourth time I came in, I'm like, oh my God, that person's having a Cosmo at the bar. <laughs> and so I knew that the drink was going to be passed along. Do you think there's a reason why your story is still to this day not shared correctly? Well, I call it revisionist history. There are other ways to describe that. But I, I just don't think that the New York Times wants me to have that accolade, which I think is unfair. Because I deserve it. And and it's not like they don't know the true story, because you can Google the true original Mm -hmm. cosmopolitan cocktail story. And you would think that somewhere along the last 20 years, a journalist would call me, but that still hasn't happened. It wasn't like I had to look real hard to find your name, right? Because 
You're mentioned in, alongside Ina Gartner because she made a Cosmo oh, and yeah. you reached out to her and you're like, hey, 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 you actually need to add simple syrup to this. <laughs> now, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, know, with her, was, with her Cosmos, like an icon. She's an icon with a Cosmo. Yeah. And you know who else? Because I've done my research. It was Madonna who actually brought the Cosmo into big popularity because they snapped a picture with her holding a Cosmo and then it just ran rampant. Dale DeGroff made that Cosmo for her and Dale somehow, you know, wants to take credit to you and that's fine. I'm not really upset about that, you know, it's just part of life. But I think that people should know the true story and I think the New York Times should print the true story. I agree. I think so too. I think everybody listening should tell the New York Times to print that story. <laughs> funny, yes, I think so. Toby wrote a book called Toby Cicchini, Cicchini, I'm sorry. He wrote a book called Cosmopolitan, A Bartender's Life. In that book, he tells a story about how he discovered the Cosmopolitan. A female friend of his was in San Francisco and brought the drink back to him. And when she got back to New York, she didn't know the exact recipe. And so the first one they made, they made with grenadine, thinking mm -hmm. that that was the red. And then they yeah. soon realized, after making that, it's a horrible drink, you can imagine, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that it must be cranberry. And if you can make it balance, sweet and sour, that's what you're really looking for. I just recently made some Cosmos. I was up in Seattle, and, uh, and it wasn't ocean spray cranberry juice. And the drink wasn't balanced correctly. So even right. though I had used Rosa's Lime and the regular recipe I use, I needed a little simple syrup to bring that into balance. And I think that Toby probably, being a cocktailian, figured that out. I'm surprised to hear that he would say that he invented the drink, because someone should ask him, why is it called the Cosmopolitan? And I know why. Huh. It's because the guy at the bar <laughs> said, oh, how Cosmopolitan. Yeah. But yes, I think you should go back to where what he said in his book years ago as the truth that Toby tells. And I think that it's sad that he, you know, because I sent when I wrote the story, the true original Cosmopolitan cocktail story, I tracked him down. I found out what bar he uh, owned at the time. And I called the bar and I said, I'd like to mail him something. Will he receive it there? And they said, yes. So I know he received a copy of the true original story. That's frustrating. That is frustrating. It is. I got to tell you, so what inspired me to start doing my research on the Cosmo was, in fact, the commercial where he points to himself as the inventor of the Cosmopolitan. And then I'm a little bit blown away. Like, well, wait a minute, man. Like, the internet is a thing. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Right. You know? I, I'm pretty, I, I know I'm listed in Wikipedia. I think kind of at the top, too. You, yeah. Oh, you are. You are. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's out you, there. It's out there. It's it's out there. It's just it's weird. And so and if you think about the progression, and so in our podcast, I go into the history about a lot of drinks. And way back when, when people weren't writing this stuff down, or maybe they're too drunk to care. I don't know. But it's like you know, you get all these different stories, and you just start to look at the timeline on how things progressed. And you're like, okay, well, it couldn't be this person because it was in print before they said it. And then you just kind of start working your way backwards. Yeah. That was kind of funny because he says it's 88. Well, geez, uh, it was printed on, on the uh, Bix menu. The, the, the Barbados Cosmopolitan was on the Bix menu. And it was kind of funny because it had been a long time that it had been on Doug's menu. But I finally came to him and I said, well, Doug, I have to tell you that I'm the guy that invented the original Cosmopolitan. And that's why that drink has been a focus for me. At the time when I joined the staff there, I didn't really want people to, to think that I was uh, a big deal. Because I didn't think I was a big deal, but I wanted him to have that knowledge. And he was like, that makes sense. You know, I just 
went along with the flow at that restaurant. Of course, I, I wanted yeah. to make sure that everybody got what they wanted. I wasn't there to promote myself. I'm, I'm not a very good self-promoter, I think. True Minnesotan right there. <laughs> well, and you know, when you make a drink, you probably think like, this is just what I like. You, I mean, I don't think you could have imagined that it would turn into what it is. Well, I knew that I was like Johnny Appleseed going around ordering the drink. I knew that. I remember being in Dallas at the Stark Club and ordering one of the guys, what? And then he sees it. It's, oh my God, that's great. So I know that even though they think that it started in 88 in New York, it didn't. It, it started earlier. I mean, I wish I could go back and find the limelight bartender from the 86 or even a place called Area, one place called Milk Bar. Those are popular places where people say, hey, try this new drink. You know, that's what bartenders do. Gosh. That's remarkable. So in a way, it's almost like discrimination is still alive and well because New York doesn't want to give somebody else credit. Yeah, that's right. And so, you know, the drink's going to be 50 years old in, in 2025. And I would like to have a bit of a celebration for that. Yeah. So I am going to start a YouTube channel to talk to my fans who love the Cosmo. And we're going to make different drinks. We're going to make different kinds of Cosmos. We're going to invite people to send their Cosmo recipes in. And uh, we're just going to call it Happy Hour with the real Cosmo Neal. And, uh, and so that. over the next two years, I sort of want to build up some energy towards the 50th anniversary. Lord knows I never thought I would live long enough to, <laughs> to see this happen. But I guess I am. I, I'm, I'm in pretty good shape. Yeah. No, no, you look like you're in great shape. You yeah. don't look 72, Neil. <laughs> no, I, I don't act 72 I look 72 either, and I'm in my 50s. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. you both look fantastic. Don't be so hard on yourselves. How can people help get the word out? I mean, I, I know that sounds probably obvious, but how can people help you? Well, you could, you could write a, a letter, send an email to the New York Times, and say, listen, why don't you give the guy the, the credit that invented the drink? Well, well, it says in Toby's book that he didn't invent it. Uh, why don't you take him yeah. seriously when he said that? Right. And, you know, why don't you get a copy of The Cocktail Companion? And it's a great read. She did a great job of talking about the people that came up with the drink and what their influence on the drink was. And she knows Toby. She knows Dale DeGroff. She knows Cheryl Cook. and my, She knew all of these people. And uh, she was anxious to find me because she believed that my story was the real story, especially when she realized that there are people in Minnesota that said, oh, no, we were drinking that in the late 70s. Of course, people in San Francisco at the Ely Cafe, that opened in 81. So that's where we started promoting it. It's kind of funny when she tracked down the owner of the Ely Cafe, Tom Clendenning, he said, you know, I knew that drink started at our restaurant. I knew it did, but I never could figure out who did that. And then she said, oh, it was Neil. Oh, Neil. And actually, I have to give Tom uh, uh, thanks to uh, my career. But when I got to San Francisco, I, I didn't initially, I was uh, working as a manager in a retail outlet when I decided to go back to restaurants. But in 1981, the Elite Cafe opened in, in uh, the Fillmore district of uh, San Francisco. And it became a, a spot for all of the, uh, I guess, yuppies. Were, they were called yuppies back then. They still are. And, um, <laughs> yeah. and uh, so, you know, I, people would come up to my table and uh, I would, you know, say, oh, you should try this drink. And, and because Michael, the painter, learned how to make a good cosmopolitan, we had fun with yeah. it. But yeah, it was, it was d difficult finding a place to hire me as a waiter. So the way I got behind the bar again was when I worked at Fog City Diner in 85. They opened in 85. And they did this visa ad. Don't bring your American Express. We only take visa. 
And the diner was this chrome and neon diner. It was very classic, done by Pat Coletto. It was an excellent piece of architecture. And the bar was made out of alabaster, so oh. light shined up through the stone. So it gave everybody a nice glow. Like a, It almost gave people like a suntan. They were so busy, they needed to hire another bartender right away. And I said, well, uh, put me back there. I, I was a bartender, you know. And then a couple weeks later, the owner comes out and says, wait a minute, you're, you're a better bartender than you are a waiter. What's the deal? I said, well, I started in the... <laughs> I started behind the bar. This is where I should be, but no one would hire me as a bartender. That's how that worked out. And, and actually, my greatest claim to fame, I think, is Saturday lunch when Francis Ford Coppola came and sat at the bar with, I believe, Spielberg. I'm not sure, but another guy had gray and white hair, wow. not black and gray hair. And I was so busy, I couldn't really focus on them because I had a full barn, a full restaurant. It was Saturday lunch. And so on Monday, the chef, Cindy Paulson, comes out to the bar and looks at me and says, well, this will probably give you a big head and everything, but uh, Francis called and said, you were the best bartender he's ever seen. And I'm like, "Wow, Francis who? What do you mean, Francis who? Francis Ford Coppola was at your bar on Saturday. Oh, that's who that bearded guy was. Oh, yeah, I remember. But, you know, you treat every customer the same. And uh, that's the way it's always been for me. Wow. So I recall you said you also uh, know Robin Williams, right? Or knew Robin Williams. Yes, I I, I met Robin at the Lee Cafe in 81. I'm trying to think of the last time I saw Robin was... uh, Willie Brown's 61st birthday, for those who don't know, Willie Brown was uh, Speaker of the uh, State Assembly here in California, and then he became the first black mayor of San Francisco. So he had a 61st birthday in this uh, florist studio. Stanley Gotti had this nice little uh, studio, and he set up these tables. And so we had 40 guests. You know, Danny Glover was there, and Don Johnson, and Herb Kane and Wilkes Bafford, and Gavin Newsom, and all of the, you know, who's who. And after our dinner, I was assigned to the bar. I had Don Johnson, Herb Kane, who was a journalist, the guy who coined the term beatnik, and uh, Wilkes Bashford, who was a famous haberdasher in San Francisco. And then Robin walks up, and he's wearing, it's a black and white event, he's wearing this black jacket, but instead of pinstripes, the stripes are in like a wiggle pattern. So as he's walking up to the bar, I said, geez, Robin, I think your seamstress has had too much champagne. <laughs> he says, oh, no, Neil, this was made by an Armenian on LSD. <laughs> I could hear him say just, that. You, know, you always throw the ball and he just knocks it out in the park, uh, right? Immediately. And uh, Don yeah. Johnson was stunned. Don Johnson was stunned that he knew who I was. And then he says, oh, Neil, you're just trying to get into Herb Kane's column. I said, oh, no. I want to take Herb Kane out to dinner because he knows everybody and everything about everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, Robin was a delightful character. That's amazing. God, the stories you have, they almost don't seem real. I'm like, no way you've lived this I know, life. It, it, it really, I agree. Wow. I met Billy D. Williams that night at the, at the wow. party. Wow. Yeah, there's nobody cooler than Billy D. Williams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That was, that was a real treat. Yeah. But, yeah, I've just, in my lifetime, I've been at the right place at the right time. And I do have a lot of funny stories. And I think when I do my channel, I'll talk about some of the funny stories that I yeah. have with the people that I've met over the years. They're, they're really kind of special stories. Well, Brad, I don't know about you, but I feel like we should talk about the Cosmo in the sense of, should people learn how to make it the real way, the original way? Are we yeah. ready for that? Yeah. Are you ready to make one? Let's do it. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. 
Get in, loser. Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So, whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So, download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right. So, Neil, I've got all my stuff. I said I was a numbskull and I didn't get the actual roses lime, but we're using regular lime juice. Don't worry. Let's start with two ounces of vodka. All right. Two ounces of vodka. I've got some uh, potato vodka here that I'm going to use. I love potato vodka. It's much more viscous. It is. Yeah, people, a lot of times they don't know there's a difference here in uh, in vodkas. Well, vodka is made with, with several different things, too. The only kind of vodka I don't like is the vodka that's made with grapes. Yeah, I'm not a fan. Okay. All right. My vodka's in there. Now what? I would do a quarter ounce of lime juice. No, actually, yeah, do a, do a half ounce. There you go. Let's do a half, half ounce, ounce. Okay. Okay, and then we'll do a half ounce, a little bit less than a half ounce of triple sec. All right. In this case, I'm using Cointreau, which is like triple sec, right? Actually, Cointreau is different. Cointreau oh, is. is a little more bitter orange than triple sec, and Cointreau is 80 proof. So if you're taking a girl out to the bar and you're buying her Cosmos with Cointreau, she's going to end up on her tush sooner <laughs> because, because that 80 proof Cointreau is a lot stronger than that 40 proof triple sec. So yeah, let's go with Cointreau. About the same amount as the lime juice. Half, yeah, half ounce. That's what I have. There we go. Got that in there. A half ounce of cranberry juice. All right. Well, I actually did that one right. So we got the half <laughs> ounce of cranberry juice here. We'll put the half ounce of simple syrup in, and let's see how it, it balances with the lime, because mm-hmm. lime juice can vary from being a little sweet to being a little sour. Normally, when I make it with roses lime juice, I squeeze a couple of quarters into the mixer, and then I shake it with the, the limes in there so you get a little of the pulp, too. But let's try this one. I like that. I like that tidbit, though. Yeah, you get the yeah, and I also like the little ice crystals when you shake it hard. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can bruise the color. All right, now I'm gonna get my ice in here. So, but how long do you shake it for, Neil? Well, that's good enough. And everybody who's listening needs to go to the YouTube and watch this and look at this color because I've seen far too many red Cosmos. All right. Well, then I'm going to raise my glass, Neil, to the original, albeit not with roses. I'm sorry. Wow. Oh, it's, that's perfectly balanced. Is it perfect? Yeah, there you go. That's what you want. I just, I have to say what I absolutely love since the moment you and I started talking last week is just the amount of humility that you have and the fact that I think it's actually cost you points on actually being recognized as the as the true inventor, but just also how helpful you are. You said to me, hey, look, you know, I love my Minnesota people, would always love to help out and 
I can't express to you just how grateful I am to have you now in my orbit <laughs> and have met you. You're just a absolutely gem of a human. Yeah, no worries. Me too. Likewise. Well, all right. Why don't we get into the uh, the tips section? So, Neil, if you have any tips to leave people with, what tips might you have for uh, the home bartender? A good bartender will recognize someone when they approach the bar. Even though they're busy with something, you just take a finger and, and say hi, you know, to, to make sure that you are welcomed here. Make them feel welcomed. The first thing a bartender has to do is to make sure the bar is clean for the next customer, right? Because you don't want someone to sit down in a place that's all been sticky and used, you know? As a bar manager, I would tell the bartender, get the bar set up and then come and around the bar and look at the bar and see what doesn't make sense, see what, what's, what's off. Oftentimes, maybe there's a bottle that needs being turned or a bottle that needs being dusted or a lone cobweb that comes down that you don't see from the other side of the bar. You, know. you wanna know what the customer's perspective is going to be. I know at that first job, where I worked at the Cork and Cleaver. The manager said I was overpouring all the time. I thought, well, no, I'm not. I, I don't overpour. And he says, yes, you do. And so he made me fill up a, a bottle, a vodka bottle with water. And after the lunch shift, I poured him five shots. And he said, well, you overpoured all of them. I said, no, I didn't. And so he pours the first one back into the shot glass and it doesn't fill up the shot glass. Wait a minute, he says. That's not right. And then he says, he pours the second one and, it, and the third one. And I said, well, I know you overpour the fifth. I said, well, actually, you know, I tried to overpour the fifth. And he pours it back in to the shot glass and it's brim full. One more drop and it was spilled over the rim. <laughs> <laughs> he was like so mad. And uh, the deal is, is that a bartender counts. You know, you count one, two, three, four is an ounce. One, two, three, four, five is an ounce and a quarter. And so what I did with the shot glass is I poured four count into the shot glass and I free poured that last five count. I could do it without the shot glass, but I didn't get a chance to show him that. And I thought if I showed him that, he would feel too embarrassed. I mean, after all, the, this is the bar manager, the restaurant manager that thought Johnny Walker Red was from Aberdeen, Aberdeen, South Dakota. And I said, no, scotch comes from Scotland. That's the old Aberdeen. <laughs> As a restaurant manager, he thought it was from South Dakota. You have to kind of laugh at that. Of course, you can't say, you dumbass, that doesn't make any sense. But, you know, it's like, oh, no, no, it's from Aberdeen, Scotland. Yeah, that was kind of fun. But, yeah, I always try to be polite and and courteous and, and thoughtful when I'm dealing with people because they're there to have a good time. I'm there to have a good time with them. I could have become an attorney or a politician. And just imagine how miserable my life would have been. Gosh, I mean, it's really interesting. You went from a congressional intern back to bartending and thank God you did. Wow. Neil, I just, I can't thank you enough for spending time with us and giving us your story and so much more and walking me through, albeit I did not have all the right ingredients. No, but you made it, you made a good one. I mean, when you get, you get the right it's, balance. And you, I'm kind of proud. And you don't have to put in that much of the other ingredients. And a lot of people put way too much triple sec or cranberry or everything. And it's just a touch that makes her own. Yep. I've always known a good Cosmo to be pink. Yes. Everybody loves pink. I can't wait to try the cactus Cosmo. Cosmo, yes. Oh, that is next. That I'm making that this week. Run on and get some aloe vera juice. And the reposado, nice reposado. Oh, man. That is on my list. And I, can, I actually might try it with a little mezcal, too. 
Now, because the aloe vera cuts the bite of the tequila, it really was surprising to me when I came up with it. And that's a funny thing. I just like, one time at Fog City Diner, the, the, the chef had done a sorbet, an intermezzo with uh, pineapple and lime. And so I, why don't I make a pineapple lime drink? Well, back then, uh, Stoli had a vodka called Lemonaya. It was called Lemonaya, but it was a lime vodka. And I took lime and pineapple juice and a little simple syrup, and I configured how to get that balance once again. And it was, uh, this lime vodka was green. And uh, we named it a pterodactyl for whatever reason. And people would come in, and ah, I like a pterodactyl. It was the only place we served those. And then, of course, they stopped making that vodka. Well, Neil, I know you haven't started your YouTube channel yet, but is there any way people can follow and support you or how can, how can people just stay tuned on, on what you're doing? Well, I hope to launch the channel later this month. I have so many things I'm trying to balance right now, but you can reach me at realcosmoneal at gmail.com. And that's N-E-A-L. And it's N-E-A-L. Yes, my great-grandfather was completely Irish. His name was John Neal. When that YouTube launches, uh, let us know. I will definitely do that. Yes, we'll be on, and it's uh, Happy Hour with the Real Cosmo Neal. Happy Hour with the Real Cosmo Neal. I love it. Happy Hour with the Real Cosmo Neal. All right, well, challenge accepted. We are going to tell the world and continue to tell the world because one, what a great story. Two, I think it's it deserves to be told. Yes, I think so. I really do. I think yeah, as we reach that 50, and hopefully, Brad and Jules, you'll be able to come to the 50th an, uh, anniversary party. I don't think we can uh, miss it. You can count it. on it. <laughs> I, I really would like to do a big show, so I, I can't let out any details at this time, but I have, I have a plan. Oh, we'll be there. We will make that work, so yes. you just keep us in mind. <laughs> I mean, it should be fun. Maybe we can even get Sarah Jessica Parker to come join us. You know, who knows? Hey. We got two years to plan it. We have time. Yeah, we have time. We have time. So that's what I'm going to do. And that's why I'm going to do the channel so that people understand that, yes, the Cosmo is an old drink now. In a half a century, it goes by fast. For those of you who are still young out there, (laughs) you never can't believe I'm 72. It's hard to believe. Well, thank you again, Neil Murray, a beautiful human, a wonderful bartender, and a legend. Uh, in this industry, so. Legend in my own mind. <laughs> yeah, that goes no, right too. I, I think I'm kind of an American icon, but I don't think I've got that status yet. We'll see. Oh, I think you are. Yeah, We're going to make are. that happen. Well, there you have it. Cheers, Uncle Brad. Cheers, Jules. And thank you, everyone, for listening to the show. Don't worry, we will have the photos and recipes for today's cocktails on the website, joinjewels.com. And if you got questions or comments for us, hit us up on the Insta at The Art of Drinking Podcast. And of course, find Jules at Join Jewels or at Favorite Uncle Brad. That's me, also on the Insta. And hey, subscribe to my cocktail club on Facebook. All you'll need to do is search Join Jewels Cocktail Club, and there you'll see what other cocktail enthusiasts are shaking up. This is a Red Rock Music Podcast. Don't forget, subscribe, like, and review The Art of Drinking with Join Jewels and your favorite uncle wherever you get your podcasts.